0: Awesome. Welcome to Dietary Dialogue. This is a podcast dedicated to answering questions about the nutrition sciences major. Our topic today is weight management and behavior modification. And our guest is Donna Gould. And this has been the podcast that of this semester, I think has been cursed, but we are here. (laughs) And our audio might be a little bit different because we had to do this over Zoom. Um, Thanks to the library being closed to a water leak and lots of stuff like that. But Donna, thank you so much for being here. Of course, of course. My pleasure. Thank you. I'll give a little spiel on who you are. So Donna is a registered dietitian. She graduated from UNLV with a bachelor's of science in nutrition sciences. She completed the dietetic internship or her clinical dietetic internship at the VA hospital in North Las Vegas and recently earned a master's degree in nutrition sciences. Donna currently works at Osteopathic Medical Associates of Nevada as a clinical registered dietitian and at UNLV as a part-time instructor in the Department of Kinesiology and Nutrition Sciences, and she specializes in weight management and behavior modification. So, The questions that we have for Donna are all from students um, at UNLV who submitted them. And if you want to submit your own questions, please reach out to me. You can reach out through Instagram at UNLV SNDA, or you can click on the link in the show notes. All of those are great ways to submit questions. And I actually listened to Donna on another podcast hosted by two UNLV professors, and she was talking to people interested in and um, who routinely do triathlons which is something that I love and I listened to her talk and I was like I want to interview her she oh. knows her stuff and is just like I could tell by the way that you were talking that like nutrition was something you were super passionate about so I this was like that's that's the one I want to talk to her
1: <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> so. Ashlyn that's really sweet of you yes I I'm yeah yeah very passionate about my job and about nutrition
0: yeah so, um is there anything else you want to add before we jump into the questions anything no you got it you got it yeah okay. let's get into it perfect so uh, somebody asked what was completing your master um how was completing your masters different from your undergraduate classes that is a great
1: question so <laughs> i felt like undergraduate was you get a lot of basic information right you get a lot of the foundation for nutrition you get the foundation for, um, you know, nutrition through the life cycle, metabolism. Um, It's a lot of a lot of information. And I'm really happy that they decided to make it a master's degree, because there is more to learn. And we do need to take that deeper dive. And that's what a master's degree really is for, I felt like is that you get to not only take a deeper dive into nutrition, you get to, you know, expand on a lot of topics, especially in metabolism and physiology, but you also get to really hone your nutrition skill or sorry, your research skills, which is something that I didn't really probably, appreciate as much in my undergrad, but then once I got to my grad, it was, um, it was really, I really understood the importance of knowing how to do research, research efficiently, and, um, and also be able to translate that research into plain language so that my patients can understand, but I, and also the workload, a lot of, um, a lot more research, a lot more writing. Um, I felt like, You know, I joked that um, at times I felt like it's, it's like a bachelor's degree on steroids. Right. Um, (laughs) But, but it was just, it was a really gratifying experience. And I also felt like it allowed me to take myself to a next level um, in terms of being able to teach, you know, you, obviously you can't teach um, at a university level without at least having a master's degree. Um, mm-hmm. i mean you, i think you can teach some classes without a masters but um the Very level that i want yeah exactly the level that i want to teach i wanted to be able to have the opportunity to teach undergrads so yeah um, so that was definitely you know separates also the, you know it separates the degrees as well
0: yeah um, Yeah. So you talking about research a little bit reminded me of uh, we were having a conversation before we started the recording about Donna's own independent study that she did um, (laughs) when she was a student. So that just, I feel like connected really well. Do you want to tell students about that project?
1: Yes. So, um, you know, we, the the nutrition department or the, you know, our, our degree is obviously very competitive and I love research. And I felt like one of the ways that I could, maybe separate myself from other students was do this independent study. And so I talked to Dr. Kruskal about it. I talked to Sam Coogan about it. And I said, you know, I really want to, um, you know, just really take my skills to the next level, try doing research on my own and just really have this independent experience. And so I have always been interested in the nutrition facts label and, and health literacy and building people's um, building people's ability to make Healthy choices on their own, and so I love the nutrition facts label. And so I decided to do this study testing UNLV students on their nutrition label um, literacy. So I got about, I think it was two hundred stu- uh, two hundred students had three labels. One was the original, you know, nothing, you know, actually the new nutrition facts label, you know, with the added sugars, and mm-hmm. uh, that came out in two thousand sixteen. And then I had one with a traffic light. Um, you know, the red, green, and yellow for the different, you know, if it was high in that, yeah.
0: nutrient. um, and then I had just kind of similar to what we have in the food pantry right now. Yes, exactly. Labels, so yeah.
1: Um, and then I did one label, which I came up with and it, it's blatantly told you this is high and this is low in this nutrient and mm-hmm. by far that label, um, that label was the most, was significantly the most effective at getting people to understand the nutrition facts label. So I had this whole idea that I would go into public policy and start advocating, you know, for, (laughs) for, um, for new nutrition facts label. And I might do that, but it ended up being an amazing experience. I got to network with other professors in the department because they all kind of caught wind that I was doing this, you know, little independent study And they're like, who's this, you know, who's, what is she doing? And um, it really just, I felt like it did set me apart a little bit from my classmates. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad I did it. And I encourage anyone and it doesn't have to be a study. I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing. Doing a podcast. Thank you. Yes. And having, you know, people come in and help, you know, help students kind of navigate, you know, Las Vegas and navigate this career um, and this path. So I think it's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking to Dr. Kruskal yesterday, just about like the nutrition center as a resource. And I think that doing, like, if you have a project idea, doing an independent study has never been easier than now because you have a whole system of recording. Um, you have a place for people to meet. If you need people to gather, you have all of these, you like things that you could do. Like We could have somebody do an independent study where they just take over the nutrition center YouTube for, uh, You know, a semester and they are making informative videos or they're holding classes or whatever it may be like there's so many possibilities. Yours was research based. Mine's kind of community based. You can do something a little more food service based like there's so many in between, too. So
1: Yeah. Speaking of, cool. and I'm not trying to like plug my own work, but um, if you go do to, it,
0: absolutely plug.
1: <laughs> if you go to the um, nutrition center slash food pantry websites and you see all those videos and handouts and information, um, that was me. I created that. <laughs> so if anyone and all those recipes, um, that was uh during my master. That was during my master's degree over COVID. Another student, and I, um, Estefania Herrera did this um we did this uh project at the nutrition center and we made all these recipes we put up all these handouts we made all these cooking videos um so if anyone wants to continue that project yeah. um there's more to build we can always have more recipes we can always have more handouts so i encourage anyone mm-hmm. listening to this to please go onto the website and see if you can add more information we could always have more information and that could also be an independent study as well it's just building yeah on the resources online, especially our mm-hmm. web-based resources.
0: And so. I think students would be pleasantly surprised too, with just learning, like starting your own project and kind of like seeing it through from start to finish, I think gives a really good like foundation for things like your master's and things like the internship and work in the future where like the, they will have this like familiarity that, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've started something before I've done this, this kind of coursework before, if that makes sense. Yes. And these projects stack
1: up. Um, so a lot of the projects and work that I did in my undergrad and even my master's, um, I use it now. Like a lot of those recipes Mm. are created. That's
0: so cool. Yeah. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Um, going on to our next question. Somebody asked, what was your experience with the VA? Like Ooh, I could have a whole podcast on this. Um, <laughs> yeah, So
1: my experience at the VA was awesome. It was an amazing experience because I got to do a lot of different things. Um, mm-hmm. I'll get to that in a second, but I will say that the, the, um, the dietetic internship at the VA is very different from other internships in, um, mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. Uh, for example, I was able to get a lot of outpatient experience Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't think you get outpatient experience in other internships around Las Vegas. Um, I think
0: it's kind of got to be something you're really interested in that they help make happen. Like it's yes. not a default. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to do
1: outpatient um, at the VA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I did my typical food service, um, I did my um, community rotation outside, you know, obviously the VA, I did my inpatient. But then also I had two weeks of working in the outpatient dialysis clinic. So I got two, you know, two weeks of doing dialysis every day. Um, and then I also got, I think it was about five weeks of outpatient experience. And so we had a weight management clinic. We had a high risk clinic. Um, we had um, an oncology clinic so i got wow. to bounce yeah i got to bounce around to a lot of different clinics and specialties and see how those dietitians yeah. work and how they you know um conducted a counseling session in an outpatient yeah. setting so that was really that was that was awesome i think i got a little bit more um experience than you know a different experience than some of my other classmates um mm-hmm. and then i also appreciated that it was a smaller hospital the va i believe is only about 120 beds it's a very small, a lot, yeah yeah it's a very small hospital and we did have diet techs so the dietitians we were able to give yeah. a lot of care and a lot of face awesome. time with our patients you know inpatient. so when i would go into a patient's room we already knew because we had diet tax, we already knew the patient had triggered for um, a nutrition issue. And so when we went in there, we knew that we were going in there and we were going to um, obviously it wasn't just a screening. We were actually doing an assessment, um, mm-hmm. you know, diagnosis, the whole A dime. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. Um, it yeah, it was a very um, there was a lot of independence at the VA, which I appreciated my preceptor was amazing. I'll I'll give her a plug, yeah. Deidre Debro. She was absolutely amazing. Um, really treated me with respect. Um, treated me like a professional. Um, we were required to wear business casual every day. We weren't in scrubs. Yeah. So it made me really feel like um, this was a prof- you know this is my profession. I have and even though I'm an yeah. intern, I'm still representing a community of dietitians. Mm-hmm. Um, so really prepared me for um, your internship. I really feel like whether you're at the VA or wherever you are, St. Rose, UMC, Sunrise, wherever, you know out of state, um, the dietetic internship, I think really is what um, prepares you to go into dietetics. Like school is wonderful and you learn all the basics and but going into the internship, you apply everything. And it was just mm-hmm. such an amazing experience. It's it's a time where I'll really, oh, um, you know, a lot of us were nervous about the internship, and you know, we're scared of mm-hmm. it. But I feel like embrace it. Um, it's just an amazing time in our in our careers that, um, and we're allowed to make mistakes, and we're allowed to not know things, right? So, um, yeah. yeah. So wherever you are, I really feel like you're going to have an experience that really prepares you um,
0: for the real world. Yeah. I think it's kind of set up that way of like, because yeah. you have those rotations because you're, yes. you have to be in a hospital for a little bit. Like mm-hmm. you, you just have to get this exposure and yeah. then when you're there, you just have to take advantage of it. So yes. cool. Yes. And then how did you end up in your current job?
1: So, um, I'll backtrack a little bit after I yeah. left. So I've only been, ai will I've only been a dietitian for ooh, a little over two years um, Don't but say I've been, only.
0: I only <laughs> longer I know. than uh, basically everyone listening. So <laughs> it's
1: just weird because I feel like I've been a dietitian for a lot longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because I've just been really just trying to do a lot of things. Um, and I yeah. think that's what the first I'll get back to your question, but I really feel like that's what the first couple of years are for is figuring out what you mm-hmm. want to do. So when I left, so when I, um, I did my internship, and it's obviously a little different now because you have to get your master's before you sit for the exam. Um, but I, um, as soon as I was done with my internship, I studied. I only took about three weeks to study. I, um, the VA had a job opening, and I really wanted that job. So I, and they only hire um, if you're registered. And which which most pla- which most hospitals they're not going to hire you um, with a um, you know if they're not going to hire you unless you're registered. I know a lot of my classmates Mm -hmm. were like, Oh, I can, you know, I can have a provisional, um, credential. I'm like, no, no hospital is going to take you. So yeah. anyway, I really wanted this job at the VA. So I took my exam. I passed pretty quickly, started, um, as an inpatient dietitian at the VA. And I also did outpatient. So obviously my connection to my internship got me the job, which I feel like has which gets a lot of, I, I tell everyone, wherever you intern, if you, you know, it's, it's pretty much a job interview, right? Cause most yes. hospitals want to hire their own. They've spent nine months training you. They're going to want to hire mm-hmm. you. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of how the VA was. It's like, well, we spent nine months hiring you. I mean, training you now. So, uh,
0: yeah. so I,
1: I, I look at it like use that as an opportunity, as maybe your first clinical job is maybe where you interned. So I was working at the VA for about nine months, and then um, still going to school doing my master's at night through UNLV. And then it came time to do my professional paper. And I realized that I really didn't want to work full time and try to do my professional paper to graduate. So I actually left the VA um, after about 10 months. Um, but which is a really good experience. Um, it's very concentrated. Yeah. Remember I'm every day, five days a week, I'm, you know, I'm seeing about 10 patients a day. I'm teaching about two classes a day. And then on the weekends on Saturdays, I would do inpatient seeing about 12 patients. So wow. I did that? Yeah. I did that for nine months. I felt like I got a great experience on top of the eight months that I was already there doing my internship. Yeah. So I left to, um, finish my master's. And then a couple months later, I got a, I got a, um, a message from one of my colleagues at the VA and she said that her doctor was looking for a dietitian, And so mm-hmm. I was actually very interested in working directly with a doctor. Um, I am not interested in private practice right now. Okay. So we'll get to that. <laughs> but, um, I was, um, I very much like working in a clinical setting and I yeah. wanted to work with a doctor. And I don't know if I've just put that aura out there, but um, so anyway, my colleague um, told me that her doctor was looking for a dietitian, So that is how I got my current job. Just knowing people, which is
0: how I've pretty much gotten every job yeah. <laughs> and how I recommend. I, that's a reoccurring theme in this yes. podcast is they're yes. like, I knew this person yep. and like, kind of what you said about the internship being like a job interview. So many people have said, like, it doesn't matter if you think there's no chance, like this person is ever going to be in a position to hire me or get me, in a, get me a job or anything. Like this person's younger than me or anything like that. Like there, you never know who's going to get you a job.
1: You never know this. I mean, my colleague, she was, she wasn't even like, she was just a dietitian. Like, you know, not saying she's just a diet. She was just one of the dietitians working in dialysis. And so I, I just, yeah. So I was, you just never know who it wasn't even like it was my preceptor. One of my bosses who reached out to me, it was like one of my colleagues. No, it was, it was just one of my colleagues was like, Hey girl, what's up? <laughs> my doctor is looking for a dietitian. Yeah, and I just think it's so funny because that's really how I've always gotten a job and how I tell people you never know, do not burn bridges, especially in this town it's a small town. Um, So that's how I got my current job. And I've been there for Mm -hmm. almost a year and I mostly do. um, Do you want me to continue talking
0: about? Well, our next question is what does a day in your life look like? So I think that flows right in. (laughs) That's it. So
1: I, I see patients just like I would at the VA. I I have kept my same. I actually use a very similar charting notes Um, I keep the same structure and format and i just kind of Mm -hmm. built my skills, but so I see about, um, I would say anywhere from nine to 12 patients a day. And a typical day for me is if it's a new patient, I spend an hour with them. If it's a follow-up, I usually spend about 30 minutes with them. Most of my patients are older. They're medic, Mm -hmm. um, they're Medicare patients. So Mm -hmm. they're 65 and older. And most of them are, um, have either class two or class three obesity. It's very rare that I'm working with people who, you know, need to lose 20 or 30 pounds. It's, it's mostly, yeah, yeah, very, very severe obesity. Um, I have, yeah, I have a lot of patients, um, with diabetes, obviously if they're, you know, obesity and diabetes are closely related and then heart disease. So those are my three, Mm. um, main, um, main conditions that I'm working with. And because I'm working with, it sounds main- like you're
0: almost always working with comorbidities then. Yes. Always working with okay.
1: comorbidities. Um, it's very rare once in a while I will get someone who has, um, who's underweight, but that's very, very rare. Okay. Once in a while I get someone who, um, has renal disease, but they're usually also have diabetes and obesity. So, um, but other than that, I really, um, I'm not usually, yeah, I'm not, I'm not usually dealing with like general healthy eating or really any other, um, it's mostly obesity and then the comorbidities associated with obesity. Mm -hmm. So a typical day is, um, I scrub my patients charts right before I see them. Some dietitians like to scrub, all their patients before they see them, um, or you know, before the day starts. But I like to just scrub my patients' charts, and by scrubbing, meaning I just go through. Um, I look at their lab work. I look at their um, what the doctor has written about their, di- you know, what diagnoses they have. You know, I look at um, just their anthropometrics, and then um, so I, I'll pre-fill that out. My doctor is all written notes. So that's something to prepare oh, wow. for. Yes. So my doctor <laughs> is all written notes. Um, the VA was all electronic, which was nice. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> so I don't know. I can't, I can't tell which one I like better, <laughs> but anyway, so my doctor's all handwritten notes. Um, I just have to be careful to like, you know, my handwriting has to be nice and neat now. Um, yeah. But, but um, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking ma- mainly at their blood sugar. I'm looking at their lipids. Um, I'm looking at their liver enzymes. Um, it's very rare that I look at their iron levels or red blood cells. Um, again, I'm mm. looking at what medications they're taking also, especially if they're diabetes patients. Um, are they insulin dependent? Are they non-insulin dependent? Um, you know, what kind of diabetes medications are there? Um, I've realized working in a clinical setting that there are a lot of diabetes medications for all different reasons. Mm. Diabetes mm. is a very fascinating disease because it's, you know, deals with hormones. Um, so I've been finding that I have to, you know, constantly, um, you know, educate myself on all the different types of diabetes um, treatment medications. Anyway, so I look at medications. Wow. Um, I look at, yeah, so, and then I just do anthropometrics and then I call them in. and just like you would, you go to the doctor, I call you in, and I start with, what can I help you with? I've stopped mm-hmm. asking, why are you here? because I'll get a lot of the doctor told me to come. And it's like, yeah. okay. So I have started. So I, I asked my patients first thing, you know, I introduced myself obviously. And then I said, what can I help you with? And then that takes away the, the doctor told me to can't, you know, right. So yeah. it kind of flips it a little bit. Um, and then I just go into allowing them to talk. I don't know how detailed, you want me to get into my counseling sessions, but I <laughs> allow the patient to talk and let and, and and explain what's going on. And then once I feel that they're done talking, um, you know, you just kind of let the natural flow of conversation go in a counseling session. Um, yeah. I know someone asked me if I allow students to shadow. I do not. I don't. Um, I work for a very old school doctor. And I think if I told him <laughs> I wanted to bring students in, he would be like, for what <laughs> I don't I don't know. Um, uh huh. No. So, but I do know that there are some um, there are some um, dietitians in town that do allow shadowing. I don't know who, but if you just Google, you know, dietitians Las Vegas, I would you know I would recommend students just cold email or cold call and just say, hey, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a student at UNLV. Do you allow, you know, do you allow shadowing? And mm-hmm. I'm sure a couple of
0: dieticians would allow that in town that do private practice. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely.
1: Um,
0: and are you, um, what do you find most common in like your recommended treatment or prescription or whatever you call it for like when you are doing MNT and um, cause you see a lot of this very similar patients. Do you feel yes. like you end up recommending very similar things to a lot of them or is it very different? Yes. It's interesting because I do. um, I
1: like kind of having the same patient. Um, I always thought I would be a general dietitian, but I actually really Mm -hmm. enjoy working with with, specialty. Yeah. I I like the specialty of weight management, Um, especially since 70% of our population is having difficulty managing their weight. I feel like Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm kind of in need right now. Um, And also doctors off doctors are starting to realize that there's penalties for having chronically sick patients you can't chronically have patients with a1c's over seven um so doctors are getting dinged and they're not liking that and so that's why Mm -hmm. they want more dietitians on staff um but um i'm finding that there's a lot of commonality in terms of why people um why people become obese And there's a lot of commonality in terms of how we get that weight off. Obviously, you know, I'm, I'm always sticking to energy balance, energy in energy out a lot of times. And my, you know, my basics of, you know, if we do lower calories, we are usually going to see weight loss. So yes, a lot of my patients are going to get, you know, similar, you know, guidance, but I obviously Mm -hmm. tailor it individually. So for example, um, you know, if I have a patient that is di- you know, that has diabetes and really does need to lower their carbohydrate intake, you know, we obviously work together on, you know, how low can we go? You know, what's that sweet spot? Mm-hmm. Are we, um, I have some patients that really want to do a ketogenic diet with diabetes. Others are like, I, I can't get rid of carbs. Um, so mm-hmm. yes, I'm dealing with a lot of the same conditions, but wow, people are different. (laughs) Everyone Mm -hmm. is different and everyone Mm -hmm. has different issues and everyone. Um, and it's, I can't even put, it's not even an age thing. It's not even, it's, it's just, everyone's different. And so I really do have to individualize, um, you know, take any bias away and really just when that person walks in the room, it is like a clean slate and it is, yeah, if that makes sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, so this is a very specific kind of random question, um, mm-hmm. but you talking about like some patients want to do a ketogenic diet and some yeah. don't just made me wonder like specializing in diabetes and weight management and stuff. Yeah. What do you think of like people at home trying to manage their weight with ketogenic diets, like all on their own?
1: I mean, you can, like, I do have some patients that are very educated and they actually have done Mm -hmm. it because I'll always ask, you know, one of the things when you're doing weight management is kind of trying to figure out how did we get here and Mm -hmm. what have you, you know, where am I catching you in your weight? Are you, you know, is this, is this high for you? Is this low for you? And if they have lost weight, if they have lost weight in the past, well, how have you done it? A lot of people say, a lot of my patients have told me, That the ketogenic diet or Weight Watchers has been the most successful, Mm -hmm. and so if they tell me Mm -hmm. that this was most successful, and and a lot of times they'll just there's a lot of really good books out there. There's a lot of um, obviously good information, and so I I I don't want to discount you know, but but you know, our us as dietitians, but you know, there are some educated people out there that can figure out a diet on their own. And I've had Mm -hmm. some patients that were very successful on teaching themselves the ketogenic diet. I don't know if they were actually in ketosis, but, um, even just doing a moderate carbohydrate diet, um, can be very beneficial. So I, yeah, so I don't, I don't, um, so when someone says to me, oh, I've done keto in the past, I'm like, oh, tell me about what you did. What was Mm -hmm. your experience with that? And if they want to do that, absolutely. Because, the science does show that a ketogenic diet can be very therapeutic for people with diabetes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: Nice. I asked that mostly because I don't, I can't speak for other students, but I think a lot of other students have like felt this. I think keto is just kind of the thing that like we get asked about as students all Mm -hmm. the time. Like, people are like oh what are you studying and you say nutrition sciences and they're like oh like what do you think of this diet all the time and for me personally it's like it seems like it's always keto and i'm always like i'm not licensed to do mnt <laughs> yeah i am um, when i was a student
1: it's interesting when i was a student i was like keto like eh, i don't i don't know about keto uh-huh. but now because i'm working in a clinical setting and yeah. I, know I, I've written, there's actually a lot of really good, um, I, you know, I do a lot of webinars for my continuing education units, and I'm always mm-hmm. interested in any webinars with diabetes, weight management. And I just recently watched a great webinar on, um, the ther- the therapeutic qualities of a ketogenic diet and all the science mm-hmm. that is coming out. So when, so if, if, if someone has obviously a condition where, it would benefit them, then I, I say, yes, let's absolutely do it. But if it's just, you know, someone's like, what do you think of the keto diet? I would have to say, like, I, I, I only really prescribe it for more therapeutic um, conditions yeah. um, where they yeah, can well, benefit. Um, cool. Some patients might not, you know, I have some patients too, that are like, if I'm not, if I can't, you know, eat certain carbs, I'm not eating any at all. And I'm like, all right, well, that is kind of a keto diet. Um, some patients yeah. don't even know that they're doing a ketogenic diet. I've, I've said, I've like, Oh, you're doing a keto diet. They're like, what's
0: that? They don't know. Yeah. So uh-huh. um, it sounds too, like you probably like, and I've, I found this pretty common with most of the dietitians that I've interviewed is when they are treating patients, like there's this, what I'd like you to do. And then there's this, like what you're willing to do. And they just have to find the, like where the Venn diagram matches. <laughs> oh yeah
1: that's what I mean is finding that sweet spot. Like how low can you Uh go with your carbs? (laughs) Yeah, You know, how, or how, you know, what changes are you willing to make? Yeah. I mean, I have in my head what I want them to do and what, but it Mm -hmm. has to be on their terms, what they're willing to do. um, Because Mm -hmm. force doesn't work and be like, you should do this. Like that doesn't work. You know, the whole finger pointing um, that, that doesn't work at all. It, it has to Mm -hmm it has to come to the patient on their own. Really, really. Yeah. Yeah. They have to figure out what is going to work with them. And I tell them like, this is, you know, this is a work in progress. You know, we might have to, you know, add a couple calories over there. We might have to tweak some things and, but this is definitely a work in progress. So Mm -hmm. tweak as we need.
0: How long would you say you typically work with a single patient before they're like, you no longer see them.
1: So, I normally work, um, I normally see patients monthly, um, for the first, um, at least for the first year, I see them monthly. And then, um, it depends. I have some patients that I'll see every two months because they're doing really well. They're just very compliant. I've, um, after six months, I've realized that, okay, we can kind of drop to two months, um, but I have some patients that really need that accountability every month. Um, Mm -hmm. they actually really need the accountability every week, every two weeks. Um, but, Mm -hmm. and I do, I have a couple of patients that I see every two weeks. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's more of like people who think they have food addictions. So, Mm -hmm. which is, that's that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. that's fascinating. <laughs> oh yeah. That's very yeah. fascinating because you cannot tell someone they're not addicted to food. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so you have to kind of, um, that's yeah, that's something I've learned too, is you have to remember that everyone has, um, their truths and their reality and me telling them that that's not true is only going to make them not return. <laughs>
0: interesting. So, yes. I have more questions about that, but I won't ask <laughs> them because that okay. would be a, a big spin-off <laughs> um, so continuing with our questions, um, somebody asked what classes do you teach at UNLV? Oh, good question. So do your other job. Yeah. So, um, okay. So clarify, I, yeah, so I do
1: weight management part-time, um, and okay. then, which is nice because it's, um, it's not saying that, it, um, yeah, I just, I like doing it part-time and then I like teaching part-time. And then I also have my little mm-hmm. side things that I like to do. Um, but, So I teach the KIN 224 lab, which is the physiology and anatomy Mm. two, And then I also teach the, which I love. I love teaching um, physiology. It's one of my favorite classes and
0: it also keeps me fresh. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I was thinking is I was like, man, 224 feels so far away from where I'm at now. There'd be so much I would need to refresh on. I know we did. Doesn't matter that I got an A. I've forgotten a lot. Yeah. It was
1: really funny. I was the first chapter is the endocrine system. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I really, (laughs) I can really, can I tell you about this? (laughs) Yeah. So I have been, and it's just great. I'm, I'm all about, um, using jobs to just increase your skills. Right. So like my teaching job, yes, I'm I'm, I'm getting paid, but I'm also, um, honing my public speaking skills. I'm also, um, honing my, my teaching skills because I have to be able Mm. to teach this very difficult material in like plain language. Almost Mm -hmm. that's, that's one of, probably one of the more challenging parts of my jobs going back is how do I teach a lot of, um, very like nutrition is very, um, very abstract Right, nutrition mm-hmm. is extremely abstract. The body is abstract. We, um, you know, out of sight, out of mind. A lot of times, if we can't mm-hmm. see what's going on in the inside, we do, we really don't care. So, it's very difficult to teach um, nutrition. It's difficult to teach physiology. So, how do you make that um, kind of digestible? No pun intended. So that the person understands mm-hmm. it and wants to keep listening to you. So, because if they're not understanding you and not listening, and they're not going to listen to you, right? Yeah. It's true. So, um, so I have found that teaching really allows me to practice a lot of the skills that I want to use as a dietitian. And yeah. I also love it. I love, I love teaching. I mean, that's one of the reasons I got my master's. Um, and then I also teach the Kin 350, social psychology of physical activity.
0: Oh, do you? Yes. <laughs> that's <laughs> oh, awesome. Yes. Were you teaching? When did you start teaching that? Class? I just started teaching this semester, so. Okay. Uh, yeah. As I was gonna say, I took that last spring, and I was like, <laughs> I don't think I saw your name. No. Yeah. was it Dr.
1: Jaylene you took it with? I did talk to Dr. Jaylene. Yeah, she's one of yeah. She's my favorite. Um, she's my favorite professor. She actually is the one who got me into teaching. I told um when I was at my defense, um one of uh she was on my committee for my for my the uh for my masters. So mm-hmm. when I was defending my professional paper, I told her that I wanted to teach, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, okay, note taken." And so mm-hmm. she, um, the the kin department was looking for instructors for this semester, and so I was like, "I'll take it." I got my foot in the door. It's not easy getting a teaching job, so yeah, I think that's yeah. one of the questions too.
0: Is it, it? Yeah. The next question is, what would be your advice for those who are interested in teaching at a university? Yeah, so I think you're uh, kind of right where like a lot of students foresee themselves too is I I, the students that particularly the student asked this question, well, Mm -hmm. I got this question a couple of times, but um, the student that asked this that I was talking to, they know they wanna be clinical for a few years and then they wanna transition into teaching and they're just Mm -hmm. kind of like seeing down the line in the future, like how does that work? I like that.
1: I like doing clinical because, you know, someone asked me this, I'll get to your question in a second, but someone asked me, should I start in clinical? And this is just my personal opinion. You can probably survey like 20 different dietitians and they'll tell you something different. Mm -hmm. I thought it was valuable experience to get clinical, um, to get clinical practice and to get clinical Mm -hmm. experience immediately after I became a dietitian, because now that I'm working in an outpatient setting, a lot of the people that I see are coming from a hospital. They have all these conditions, they have all these um, comorbidities. And I saw so much of that in the hospital. And and yes, Mm -hmm. I got that experience in my clinical rotation, but it's a little different when it's, you know, when you're on your own and it's your, it's your job. So I would recommend if you can, it's not, you know, if you do want to kind of go the clinical route, or if you do just want to, you know, stay around, even at, I mean, even, I don't know, I I don't know about academia, but I just found it really useful to have that year experience or nine months experience working in clinical. That's all. I just Mm -hmm. found it really beneficial. Um, it just honed a lot of my, um, my MNT and, Mm -hmm. um, and it also, I had a little bit of oversight, you know, I had other dietitians watching me, you know, that's the thing too, Mm -hmm. is like you come you graduate and you go through your internship and then you get it and you want to do private practice in your own thing. It's like, you kind of want some feedback. You kind of want some constructive Mm -hmm. criticism. Um, you don't really want to be on your own just yet. Like it's really good to get some experience to get some feedback. Um, Mm -hmm. right. I, I just think that's really important rather than going to be on an Island by yourself doing outpatient. It's, it can be kind of like, yeah, if that makes sense, it's just kind of nice to get feedback from your colleagues and it's nice to have ideas. So, um, so that was nice. The nice thing about working in a, you know, with other dietitians, and then maybe down the line, I'll go, I'll go do my own thing. But right now I really like work, you know, working in a, you know, with other healthcare providers, kind of having that checks and Mm -hmm. balance. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: you asked me the question about get, so then getting into teaching. So what I would recommend is obviously, um, if you want to, you know, you obviously need a master's degree, um, but just also network with, you know, p- people on your committee um, and the different departments. I know that the nutrition department, I don't think nutrition is hiring right now. Um, they're only hiring, I think PhD level to teach the master's mm-hmm. students. But there's a website, highered.com that has um, um, university jobs, you know, there's okay. CSN in town that's hiring. They have, yeah. Um, but I think it's just really same thing as kind of getting any job is networking. Um, and there's also a lot more opportunity in academia now because there's more online education. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's not as much, um, you know, there's more online programs. So,
0: yeah. And I think what you were saying too, about like you're teaching a lab and then you talk to Dr. Jaylene and it's mm-hmm. like, you have no idea that saying that to her is going to turn into a job, like exactly. it would turn into teaching 350. Yes. And so I've heard this recurringly from dietitians across the podcast, um, but I think it's really important to still emphasize for your students that like, you just need to open your mouth. Like yes. if you're interested in something, if you are passionate about something, worst mm-hmm. case scenario is you start talking about it and somebody seems a little disinterested and the conversation changes. Exactly. Like that's an absolute worst case scenario. Best case scenario, something like this happens and you end up teaching a new class or exactly. you end up with a new job or you end up in a new place and like a really cool experience kind of thing. And so mm-hmm. I like... I think of the example of um, I work for private practice doing social media for them and they never came to me and said like, we're hiring. Like, no, they never put anything out there that said we're hiring. But I was like, I like your practice. I really like what's happening here. Can I do something for you? And they're like, yeah, you know. (laughs) And and so I think that like there's this like barrier to entry i think for a lot of students that they put up for themselves where they're like oh i don't know like i just don't see any opportunities and it's like you just got to start talking about it yes. and then things like that come up yes yeah just so start
1: talking um yeah to, like especially in town here start going to you know just network a lot um mm-hmm. especially dietetic students you know we have snda we have the Nevada and yeah, right. We have, um, we have our local Nevada and chapter. So I would recommend join the Academy. It's, I think it's like $25 for students. So join the Academy. Mm -hmm. That way you can go to our local, uh, Nevada meetings. And that's what I did as a student. When I got into Mm -hmm. the nutrition program, I would just start networking with a lot of, you know, the dietitians in town, going to the meetings, going to the Nevada and meetings, Um, there's actually one coming up it's virtual, but I think it's coming up November for November 15th at 6 PM. There's a Nevada and meeting. Um, but I also just started, um, just kind of hanging, just, just get your name out there. Just be, be visible. If there's any volunteer opportunities, I cannot stress how important volunteer opportunities are. Mm -hmm. Um, I do them still as a dietitian. Um, I'm actually, I applied to be a volunteer with the Academy um, just because it doesn't matter whether you are a student, whether you're a professional, volunteering is mm-hmm. always important. It shows your dedication to your community. It shows the dedication to your profession. It shows that you love your job and what you're doing. So I cannot stress yeah. enough how important it is to volunteer. Um, I used to love going to, I volunteered a lot with extension, UNR extension in town. I don't know if you've heard of mm-hmm. them, but
0: yeah, uh, I have.
1: yeah, they do a lot with um, a lot of nutrition education with the elementary schools in town. Uh, they do a lot yeah. with farmers markets and green, green, our planet. There's a lot of organizations in town, um, you know, three square, the just one project. Um, as I said, yeah. green, our planet that you can get involved with and volunteer. So I really recommend all the students listening to this, start getting some volunteer hours and showing your commitment to making our community healthier and mm-hmm. um and really more more enriching. So that's my plug cool. for volunteering. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny you get They also have like there's a healthy kids festival every year. I think it's around yeah. this time actually that UNR extension puts on. And that's awesome. Mm. Um, yeah, a lot of UNLV students go to, but I think just Just, um, just being aware of what opportunities there are in in town and networking with your professors, you know, Dr. Kruskal always has really good ideas for volunteering. Sam does, um, Mm -hmm. the kinesiology department, they're always looking for volunteers for events. So, um, yeah, yeah, very important.
0: So if you're not a part of SNDA and you're listening, come to me, talk to me, email me, my, um, email is in the show notes and we'll get you information for those volunteer opportunities. It's like, actually how I got my first job was through SNDa. Was UNR, it?
1: Yeah, UNR Extension was looking for um, a long uh, was looking for a long term intern, but a paid intern, and they went to SNDa, and that's how I got
0: the job. So that's awesome. Yeah. That makes me so happy. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, because Very they wanted. Cool. Yeah, because there's like, oh, go to the student organization on campus and ask
0: if they will have any students that are interested. So. Mm-hmm so that's it was, so cool yeah well that's it for questions for me is there anything specific that you're like I want to tell students this it's okay if you don't have anything but if there's anything I that you're like
1: is there anything did you think we covered everything like I know we
0: I think I think this was awesome yeah okay, good <laughs> absolutely and the best thing about this is after every podcast like I think that there's hardly been anybody I've had on the show that hasn't then received an email from students. So can we put your email in the show notes? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Please. I will include it in there. And um, students almost always have follow-up emails. Oftentimes they're about shadowing opportunities or they may just ask you about like you and our extension or anything like that. And just kind of see um, I think it gets wheels turning in, in people's brains and they, they start to think about, you know, how does this apply to me and how can I, do something similar. Um, cause they hear people like you and I can like, I can hear the passion and the love that you have for your field when you talk about it. And I think students hear that a lot and they're like, okay, like I want that. And then gravitate towards it, you know? So.
1: Well, I had mentors, awesome. you know, when I was going through school and I had people, you know, that, that helped me. So I am more than happy to pass that along and, you know, continue so nice. that. Absolutely. Of course. That's what we're here for. That's what we should do. We should all, you know, we're a very small in, 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 you know, in relatively speaking, we're a pretty small profession and we all have to stick together and we have to build up this profession. So I am more than happy yes. to help and guide and make sure that, you know, UNLV is putting some good students out into the, out into the yeah. world, the nutrition
0: students. Absolutely. Um, So, as far as our announcements go, next week I'm not going to have a guest on. There will still be a podcast, and it is going to be basically a recap of the MSDI workshop that we did with Dr. Kreskel. There will be a full recording of the episode, or not episode, (laughs) there'll be a full recording of the um, meeting that we had with Dr. Kreskel as well. But I'm going to do a little recap of like the major bullet points for anybody. I know for myself, there was a lot of information that I knew before and then some new information. Um, So maybe if somebody's just looking, maybe you're a freshman, you're a sophomore, and you're like, I'm not really supposed to, or I'm not really okay um, with where I'm at yet to really be thinking about that far in advance. That would overwhelm me a little bit. This is a good, like, here's some bullet points that you can get from it um, and make sure you're on the right track for where you're at now. And then SNDA will be having their Thanksgiving potluck on November 21st from 1 to 4 p.m. You are welcome to come if you want. Cool. I'd yeah. love to talk to you. <laughs> um, so we're going to be having that potluck from 1 to 4 p.m. on November 21st and really look forward to all of you being there and just enjoying the camaraderie. I know it's right before Thanksgiving. So if you're in town, please make it. And that is all I have. So thank you so much, Donna. Thank you, Ashlyn.
1: This is awesome. This is really cool that you're doing this. Such a great resource. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Perfect.